like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And it is week three of Best Picture Month, January 2022, and we are going to be talking about Shakespeare in Love, the Best Picture winner from the 1999 Oscars, but the movie, of course, came out the year before that, 1998. Um, we will talk about our thoughts on Shakespeare in Love, I believe uh, both of our first time seeing this film, um, and the competition it had for Best Picture. Um, but before we do that, we'd like to see what else we've been watching and uh, see what's been going on since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing up there in Snowland? Oh, God. I live in the wrong region, guys. I shoveled snow for the first time yesterday. I counted that oh. as my workout. That, that definitely counts as a workout, 100%. No question asked. That uh, is some I, hard work. Yeah, my legs felt like jello, man. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get up tomorrow, like, out of bed. I'm just <laughs> going to be like, bring me some ibuprofen and a heating pad um but i was fine uh so that was cool shout out to my husband who always does that for me uh <laughs> and we got like lots of inches really fast it was like really fat fluffy snow you know snowflakes mm-hmm. it mostly melted most of it and it's off the road so that's cool um we've been really sick at the uh at our house very very sick we oh, were yeah. sick for like a week over a week uh both got covid tested bill getting covid tested was a poop show uh yeah apparently they didn't get enough specimen that's the thing that can happen guys Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so he had to go back the next day they wouldn't see him and then he had to go back again the next day because they made him make another appointment Jeez. (sighs) cool times um we were both covid free um okay yeah so we've been really really sick um, I hadn't really left my house for over a week except to go get COVID tested. So that was cool. I make myself leave my house at least once a week to go do something fun to feel like a human. Because, like, you know, I mostly just stay home. Yes. And I don't think I need any help in the socially awkward, you know, <laughs> a portion of my life. But, yeah, we're both feeling much better. Bill, I think, is still a little under the weather, but much better. How are you? I am doing Okay, excuse me. I'm tired tonight for some reason. Um, I uh, I had like an up and down emotional week. Um, you know, mm. we were off Monday uh, for Martin Luther King Day, so I I had an extra day off. But Tuesday, I was feeling very irritated, um, mostly towards my students. It felt like their their level of apathy uh, has hit like a new high, and so mm. when the, when they're feeling apathetic, it it kind of feels like you are uh, teaching to a wall. Like nothing you say really matters and they're not really like, they're not invested. Um, and I, I'll take my share of the blame. Um, I wasn't doing enough to really like, uh, I was allowing them to be apathetic. I wasn't pushing them if they weren't responding. Like I would just like, all right, fine, never mind, kind of thing. Instead of like, okay, you talk. And then like waiting for them to talk kind of thing. Um, so Wednesday I, I pushed myself a different group of kids cause I have odd classes on Wednesday, but, um, I like may I got out in the middle of the room and I, I wouldn't take no for an answer as far as like, if they didn't want to share right away, I'm like, come on, no, it's okay. You know, like I, I understand cause I'm introverted, but like we need to, we need to communicate and blah, blah, blah. And they were really great Wednesday, which helped me on Thursday with the even kids, to like push myself again and, uh, get them out of their, their funk basically. Um, plus it helped that my uh, second period started filming a project. Um, I, I mentioned to you there, uh, we just watched singing in the rain cool. and they're, they're going to do three music related projects. And their first one is a lip sync project and the, the setup of the film that they're doing, they had to have some, um, some situation where a song comes on in the scene. Right. And then they're lip syncing to it. Similar. Uh, I found from the skeleton, uh, twins, the great scene where Bill Hader's in an argument with, with his sister, Kristen Wiig in the movie. And he puts the song on and starts singing to her and performing. And Luke Wilson's got like a very small part in that scene, but it's very funny. Um, and it's so good. It's such a great scene. It was exactly what I wanted. Cause it's kind of what I was asking them to do. It's like, you're going to have some reason to start singing and they're not doing the full song. They're only supposed to do like 30 to 40 seconds of the song. Cause four minutes is a lot, you know, when we're filming during school day and whatever. 
Um, so they only had to have like 30 or 40 seconds and then something has to happen to make them stop singing. Like someone turns it off or the, the thing they're trying to achieve happens or whatever. So it was like a very simple short story. Um, so they started filming that on Thursday and it seemed to go pretty well. And then uh, my odd day classes are mostly visual tech, which is like the first year program. And we just finished Creed a couple weeks ago. And so now they're making their own montage, like a training montage. Um, and they started filming today. So today was a pretty solid day. And uh, a lot of good stuff came out of today in general with work related things. And um, uh, uh, we have this area up. It's a couple of cities up, up north of us, but we have like a Target. And um, not too yeah. long ago, they put a five below there. And, and uh, Hobby Lobby just opened out there a week ago. Um, like it, they've been building it. It's a pretty big Hobby Lobby too. And Kathy loves Hobby Lobby. So yeah. uh, she asked tonight, like um, after dinner, can we, can we go to the new Hobby Lobby? We haven't been to this new one. Um, they close at eight. So like it was like six thirty. So it was going to be a little tighter than you would normally want, but still I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. Whatever. The number of like, I feel like they should change the name from Hobby Lobby to like uh, words on wood. Cause there are so many signs that are just words on pieces of wood for like $60. Like the, the number of does... signs that are just words on pieces of wood. <laughs> Live, laugh, is... love. Yeah, but it's like, and there's so many sayings. And that's the thing. It's not like they're making the sayings. They're just like copying and pasting crap off of Google. It's like they like inspirational quotes. All right, put this on some wood. You got a swirly font? That looks amazing. Let's do that. Like it's it so... always has to be in cursive. Yes. And it it's like... Count. And every once in a while, there's like a an outline of some clip art. You know, it's not quite clip art, but it might as well be clip art. It's like, here's a copy like bug. 2021 you know. clip art or 2022 clip art. Yeah, it's, you know, and again, I'm not saying I wouldn't hang some of those because there's like coffee related sayings. I'm going to like those. And there's tons of movie related stuff. I also like those. And I have some things that Kathy's bought me over the years from Hobby Lobby on my wall right now. But it is like, it is kind of ridiculous. The amount of stuff. Because like, it's not hobbies. It's, I was it's just going to say, hobbies. where does the hobby part come in? Like, oh, I collect there, these things? There's some craft stuff in the store, but it's, like, on the outer perimeter of the store. Like, there's, like, if you go to the outer edges, there's some, like, paper. It's like the and grocery like, store. But the bulk of the store is, like, signs and, like, knickknacks, essentially. So I'm just, like, it, it's called Words with uh, words on Wood. That's the new name for Hobby Lobby. Um, but, yeah, uh, we, we went there. Uh, then we hit Target, of course, because if you're going to go all the way out there, you got to hit Target. Target. Uh, Got a couple of movies. Uh, you know, I was excited to get Candyman, uh, 2021 Candyman. Um, oh, so good. It's so good. I actually, I'm a little disappointed. I only bought two movies, but they had The Night House um, on sale for like 13 and I really liked that movie, and I wanted to get it, and I was oh. like, ah, I got to get these two for sure, and I don't want to buy three, so I, I put it back, and I'm like, I'm like, man, I should have snagged it, because it's a good price, and I really like that movie a lot. Um, How much was it? Twelve ninety nine, I think. It's Blu-ray digital. Um, oh, nice. But I didn't get it. Uh, so I don't know if I end up back at Target, I might snag it. But um, especially like if it's it's 14, I think, to buy like 14.99 to buy just the digital. So if it's like if I can get the Blu-ray and the digital for less, I'm going to do that because I can loan the Blu-ray to people. You know, like I like to do that, especially with my students. If it's a movie, I think like I feel like a lot of people didn't see The Night House and it's really, really good. Um, so I'd love to be like, hey, you like horror a lot. Check this one out. But I, who knows? Maybe I'll snag it later. But um but yeah, that's my week's been kind of like that, um, uh, up and down. I haven't, I haven't actually watched a lot of stuff. Um, I, oh. I haven't watched a movie since Monday. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I've been just like by the time things get going, um, like I, I made dinner or whatever, and then cleaned up, and um, I've just been busy, and uh, I end up like I'm like I don't really, and also choosing movies right now. I haven't had like I don't currently have a list of things that i'm like trying to accomplish so like i i feel like overwhelmed with the options of what to watch and there's not like anything really new that i want to watch um so like i i've been playing halo infinite a lot this week uh, that's been kind of like if i have an hour i'm just like hopping on that because it's a good stress relief and it's a lot of fun um and i have a friend uh whose editor at burke reviews has been playing with me and it's it's just it's good times um and i've kind of needed that this week so i just let that be but um let's get into what we've been watching Corey. what have you seen since the last time we recorded gosh so i told you i was sick mm -hmm. <clears throat> so i did work but as soon as i would get off work i would like go 
to the couch or the bed and just watch stuff. So all of this almost, except for like one thing was a rewatch. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay. So The Conjuring, one of the best horror movies in the world ever. For sure. Housebound. We were just talking about it recently. Yes. That's another one that I don't think enough people have seen. And it's so great. And it's on so many. I think it's on Shutter right now. I thought I saw it on another. I don't think it's Netflix. Oh, I saw it on. I thought it was on Prime or something. Don't quote me. But guys, watch it. Um, I started. I've watched I, most of Inside Out. Um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which was a rewatch for me. It was better than I remembered it being. I only saw it once and it was when it was in theaters. I don't think that Katie Holmes is the best actress. I don't really know how anybody else feels about that, but she's just very whiny to me. Um, Wasn't a big Dawson's Creek fan. Sorry. Um, Misha and the Wolves, which is a documentary on Netflix, which is about this woman. I've heard about this. Guys, watch it. It's very freaking intriguing. Bill was in it, too. He was like, you know, um, Bridesmaids, because what? maybe my favorite comedy ever. It's at least up there. Mm, it's very good. And, yes. I love everyone in it and Kristen Wiig. Um, also then, has a great lip syncing scene. Yes. Yes. So good. Um, I love everybody in that movie. Melissa McCarthy, everybody's great. Um, and then... Uh, I rewatched the whole mini series, the whole series of Midnight Mass. Uh, I still need to watch that. What? Yeah. So that's what I've been watching. Oh, and Saved by the Bell. Of course. Can't go yeah. without Saved by the Bell. Um, so as I noted, I didn't watch any TV shows. Um, I did watch the newest episode of uh, Boba Fett, um, Book of Boba Fett or whatever it's called. I, I'm not loving that show. I'm really disappointed. I really want to love it. And it's just not been like clicking for me um and it's upsetting but um i did see scream uh the new scream <gasps> five technically scream. i had a blast with it matt and i dropped our uh bloody some movie podcast episode about it on thursday our spoiler episode will drop on monday um we really really liked it both of us so i guess that's a spoiler for bamf but um i i wouldn't say it's perfect but i had a lot of fun with it and there's a lot of cool stuff in it and um yeah, it does a, a good job of, of doing what Scream's always done, kind of, you know, looking back at the genre of horror and kind of making fun of it, but also uh, clearly loving it at the same time. There's a lot of reverence for the genre, and, and it's it's really good. Um, I got to see the newest Penelope Cruz movie, uh, Star Vehicle, uh, called Parallel Mothers. Um, it is my the first uh, film I have seen by the director, Pedro Alamodovar, I'm sorry, I butchered that. Um, he has made several movies with Penelope Cruz. This is the most recent, but his uh, Pain and Glory was one from two years ago with Antonio Banderas that got a lot of buzz. Um, Parallel Mothers is really good. It's uh, immediately I kind of picked up on this guy's style, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work for me because it is there is like some melodrama and it's got some soap opera vibes to it, but it's by design. But the uh, there's a lot of interesting commentary and um, subtext and some of it's on the nose. Some of it's definitely uh, in in between the the analogies and allegories. But man, just the story in this movie is pretty wild. And um, every time I thought I fully had a grasp of what it was going to be, something would slightly shift or change. And it was it just keeps you hooked. Um, if you get a chance to see Parallel Mothers, definitely worth watching. Uh, watch what we're going to be talking about here in a moment. But then I've had one. David Fincher film that I had not seen for a while. And I think it's been about a year or two since I had almost completed the David Fincher list. And uh, I had just never been interested in watching the curious case of Benjamin Button. Oh, I haven't seen that either. It came up twice last week. People Ooh. like asked me about it. And I was like, all right, I need to just get this off my list. And it's almost three hours. Um, and so Monday night, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm up for a three-hour movie, but I'm just going to throw it on, and I'm going to do some work while it's on. I About an hour in, I had stopped working and was just watching the movie because I like David Fincher a lot, and his storytelling style and cinematography just always works for me. It is a, such an interesting movie. I, there's so many good performers in it because you have Tilda Swinton and Kate Blanchett, Brad Pitt, who I think is severely underrated, Taraji P. Henson, uh, a very... I mean, not very young, but like very early Mahershala Ali, uh, which I had not like oh. 
it's curious case is 2008. Like, I don't feel like I was aware of Mahershala until Moonlight. So like, I was like, Oh wow. I didn't realize he'd been in stuff before. Um, I clearly have some, some work to do on, on his filmography. Uh, but I actually like curious case of Benjamin button a lot more than I expected. Um, it, it's higher up on my, uh, my list, um, of Fincher than I would have expected it to be. Uh, so yeah, if you have like you or other people, listeners, if you haven't seen it, you have access to it. I say, watch it. It's especially if you like Fincher's other stuff, it's, it has to be his most upbeat film, to be honest. Like thinking of his filmography is probably the most optimistic out of all of his movies. Um, cause his movies often have a pretty nihilistic kind of dark tone about humanity. Uh, I'm sorry. We need to no. talk about something in a minute. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I felt like this one was kind of different for him. Uh, not to say that it's completely upbeat, but it's definitely more upbeat than I would say almost any of his other films. Um, yeah, because I can't like Zodiac, Fight Club, Social Network, uh, Seven, Gone Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Mank. Mank might be the other most positive, and that one's definitely not positive, but it's there's some there is a little bit of optimism in that one. Um I, I don't remember Panic Room enough, but there's no way that one's like upbeat because of the whole <clears throat> nature of it. And Jared Leto's, yeah. in it. Um, you know, Alien Three is no, and the game no. So like, yeah, Curious Case Benjamin, unless I have completely misread this film and I am not getting what he's doing, definitely has more optimism. Not to say that there's again, there's some definite like Fincher type moments where things aren't perfect, but I would say Benjamin. And the framing device has a sense of upbeat hope. And that's not in Fincher's normal wheelhouse. So that's, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition to the rest of his career. But um, but yeah, so uh, that's what I've been watching. Uh, you want to say something else before we move into the movie for the week? So Yeah, because I think that this needs to be talked about. So, and then you said Fight Club and then I remembered... Ah. And I saw where Edward Norton shared the photo today. I think it was, yeah, it was today. Um, About Meatloaf dying, guys. Ah, uh, yep. He was in Fight Club. He sure, his name is Robert Paulson. Yeah. In death, um, his name is Robert Paulson. Oh, I'm. Um, That's right. Sorry, um, go ahead. Sorry. I, and I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Just guys, Meatloaf. I mean, some. I don't know all the movies he acted in, but I really loved him in Rocky Horror Picture Show. He was great in Fight Club, of course. And then, yeah, you know, yeah. So I just thought when you said that, it just made me think of it. There we are. Yeah, no, uh, we we lost him and we lost comedian Louis Anderson um, uh, today as well, um, which Polly Shore actually like hinted at yesterday. Not hinted at. He like, I think we're going to lose Louis like soon. Um, he tweeted or something yesterday. Oh and I no! Was like, I saw the photo he shared of them hugging or something. But yeah, I think he that got was to a. go say goodbye. Oh, that's so sad. Everybody, just you know. Yep, but yeah, uh, this twenty twenty two is we're only a month in and we've lost a lot of celebrities. Um, you know, people are just dropping off, um, and not all from COVID. Like, there's been a couple. Like, I don't know for sure if Milo was COVID related. It's I saw some people making some claims. I don't want to get into that. I don't know what's true and what's not, but um, I don't, I, I, someone the the one I saw that posted about Louis Anderson and Pauly Shore last night said that Louis Anderson had cancer. Um, so that seems unlikely to be COVID related. Although again, I don't know for a fact, I've not done any digging in that. Um, uh, Bob Saget from what I heard was not related to COVID. So like, you know, we've lost a lot of people just from random natural causes, uh, you know, cause Bob Saget was only 65. Um, and that was a really sad one. Um, as I get older, I wonder if you feel this way too. Cause I was, Bill and I were talking about Bob Saget and I was like, he was only 65 and it's like the older I get, like I'm closing in on those ages and it just, nothing seems old to me anymore. Yeah. It scares me. Cause I am, I turned 40 this year and you know, I'm doing everything I can to be healthy. I think I probably am not doing everything I can. I feel like I'm doing it is a lot. I've made I a mean, lot I'm, of big strides, though. Sure, but I could also. There's probably like maybe I shouldn't be eating as much red meat, or maybe I maybe energy drinks are not something I should be drinking. You know, like those are. Uh, there's definitely things that I could still like 
probably phase out. Um, and of course, that's always the thing is like some people will tell you this is bad for you, and other people will say this is bad yeah. for you. And who really knows? I'm sure some of the things are better for me than I'm not. You know, I don't know. But uh, definitely exercising. That that part is 100%. I am exercising actively. So at least if that's all it needs to stay healthy, then I'm doing what I can. But there's still I've, things like Bob Saget kind of dying um, abruptly at 65 with like no, you know, he wasn't sick. He wasn't in the hospital. It was just like, boom, he's gone. And again, from the, the reports, there was no foul play or there was no drug overdose. It was just death. And it's like, dang, and he wasn't overweight. Like, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not, when you look at him, you're like, Oh, he's not going to make it. Like you just like, Oh, he just looks like a normal dude. And that's the thing that can happen. And it's, that's scary for sure. Well, on that very upbeat note, let's talk about the 1999 Best Picture winner, winner excuse me, winner, um, Shakespeare in Love, uh, which again was actually released in 1998, but that's how the Oscars work. Um, so Shakespeare in Love, the world's greatest ever playwright, William Shakespeare, is young, out of ideas, and short of cash, but meets his ideal woman and is inspired to write one of his most famous plays. Uh, directed by John Madden, not the football uh, analyst, I assume. Uh, Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard are the writers. This movie's got quite a cast uh, in the lead, apparently, uh, even though it's not Shakespeare. First build, Gwyneth Paltrow, and uh, wins Best Actress for this performance. Um, Joseph uh, Fiennes, I believe, not Finnis. Uh Jeffrey Rush, which I want to talk about, probably wait till spoilers. No, I can talk about it now. Um, Tom Wilkinson, Stephen O'Donnell, he's not super famous, uh, Tim McMullen, there's a couple other people, hold on, I gotta scroll down, Simon Cowell, Judy Dench, obviously, also nominated for best, I, I think wins, um, for best supporting actress as Queen Elizabeth, um, scrolling down, Colin Firth, uh, kind of early Colin Firth, oh, and Imelda Staunton, who most people, if you're fans of Harry Potter, would hate, uh, yes. because she is... I'm not going to remember the character name suddenly. I, I can't normally, care to watch the movies. She's the hated like teacher who takes over from Dumbledore in uh, Order of the Phoenix, I believe. With um, I'm a cat lady, but she has all those weird cat photos, uh, paintings on the wall. Mm. Um, and her name um is Dolores Umbridge. Um, she's great in this. So she's not. Uh, she's the nurse to the Juliet uh, stand-in Viola de Les. Lesseps, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's character. Um, so I had never seen this. It does have an 87 on Metacritic. Um, obviously it wins best picture. Critics are going to generally like movies that are in there, at least at the time. Uh, 7.1 IMDb user score. Um, this is a Miramax film, uh, which is, of course, problematic in hindsight. Um, but uh, having never seen this, but knowing the story of Romeo and Juliet quite a bit, but not enough of his other plays... Because there's a lot of his other plays embedded into the plot and story of this, um, which I like. Uh, at the end, he's writing one that I'm not going to remember the name of now, um, but it is uh, that that play which I knew nothing about has a lot to do with this movie as well. Um, but I I found this very enjoyable. It's a romantic comedy, which is a, a genre that I often enjoy and uh, very rarely dislike. Um, I actually really like Joseph Fiennes in this movie a whole lot. I thought he was super charming and funny because he's kind of Shakespeare's kind of a, a scumbum. You know, he's not he's not perfect. He's uh, you know, he's scamming people. He's making promises of things he can't. He's having writer's block. He lies several times about who he is because he gets himself into trouble. Oh. I kind of enjoyed all of those little shenanigans. Um, oh my gosh! Oh, I just realized who he is because he was such a baby in this movie. Ah, uh, oh, he's the jerk from The Handmaid's Tale, Fred Waterford. Uh, I have not watched that series, so I'm not familiar with that. But um, <laughs> I believe he is uh, the brother to Ray Fine, so if I'm not mistaken, um, who I know much better. I know, I've seen a lot more. Yeah, he is. Um, four of his siblings are also in the arts: Ray Fines, Martha Fines, Magnus Fines, and Sophie Fines. Um, Ray being the the one that I am again much more familiar with. Uh, uh, obviously, he's in a lot of the Wes Anderson movies. He's in both. Um, well, not a lot of. He's in Grand Budapest, but he's also uh, in The Kingsman from last year. He's Voldemort. Um, so this is his brother, who I've not seen much of. He's in a couple of se series of uh, American Horror Story, 
but I don't think I saw the one because I don't remember Cardinal Timothy Howard. Uh, Twenty thirteen. I don't think I watched that season, but um, yeah, I think this might be the only thing of his I've seen. Yep, I don't. Oops. I have not seen Elizabeth, which also came out in ninety eight, and is also spoiler uh, nominated for best picture. Um, but this one wins, of course. So I don't know, but um, if he's a jerk in The Handmaid's Tale, well, what a jerk he must be. He doesn't even look the same. I just can't unsee him as Fred Waterford. Well, Jeffrey Rush is the char- the actor I really want to talk about because he's playing uh, Philip Henslow, who is kind of the uh, the overseer of one of the theaters, and uh, Shakespeare is supposed to be writing him a play about pirates. Um, love and there needs to be a comedic dog scene in it and the thing that i loved is that it didn't click right away who jeffrey rush was and then it clicked that he's barbosa in the pirates of the caribbean films which is my favorite character in the pirates movies i love barbosa so much and then i was like wait a minute wait a minute in 1998 jeffrey rush is playing a guy who's obsessed with pirates and insists on a comedic pirate scene and i'm like and then we get him in four five pirate movies like that's kind of funny like that he would go from this movie to like i think it's a, probably like five or six years i think is when pirates curse of black pearl comes out but um yeah i love him in this i also really like tom wilkinson a whole lot in this um i i enjoyed it Corey. uh i haven't heard did you like this or no i don't love romantic comedies as much as you do that's true of many people yes but I did like this movie. I don't really feel like I need to watch it again, but I thought it was enjoyable. Now, you are a fan of Romeo and Juliet, though. Um, Sorry, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. I've tried to read Shakespeare, like, one time. It was a long time ago, but I definitely felt very not smart right away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not for me. So, so hi, I'm new here. Um... So I'm really, I know, like, a little bit about Shakespeare, like, oh, we don't really know who he is, and oh, there's so much mystery, and blah, 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 um, and, like, some things like that, but I, I, I'm just being 100% real, I just really love that adaptation, or, you know, that movie. Which movie? With Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh Oh my god, I was in love with Leonardo DiCaprio back then. I mean, I like that movie a lot, actually, despite I Claire Danes. I think Claire I know, Danes like, is terrible in it. Um, I love her. <laughs> I, I, I do not. I think she's not a good actress, and I think that is the, the epitome of how bad she can be. But <laughs> no. I love John Leguizamo in that movie. And He's most, so good. Most importantly, though, I love Mercutio in that movie, um, whose name I always forget. Um, I'm having to look it up right now because I love him in a few things. He's great in the Matrix uh, sequels. He's in two and three of the Matrix um, and then he was on Oz. Harold, that's I can't say his name. It's Perinu, I think is how you say his last name. That's why I can never remember it. Um, I always like him. And I explicitly like him. Oh, he's so good in Dumpling, too. I always forget he's in Dumpling because he's one of the drag queens. Um, so good in that. Uh, but uh, it, as Mercutio, I just think he's outstanding. Um, and you always got to remember Paul Rudd's in that movie, too. Like, he's the prince. Or he's Paris. He's Paris. Excuse me. Um who's promised to Juliet. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I not only do I really like that Baz Luhrmann film, I uh, have taught Romeo and Juliet for at least three years um, when I was teaching English. And so I, I had to really learn it. Like it was the most I'd ever like studied any Shakespeare stuff because if I'm going to teach it, I had to understand it. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very like intimately aware of like all of the plot points. And I've, you know, I've not only did I teach it, but when you're teaching it, you're teaching it to like three or four classes a semester. So I've taught it like, you know, many, many times. I've read the book. I've read the play. I've had students act it out, blah, blah, blah. Like I am very, very aware of it. So I, I like kind of seeing this alternate history of it being written. I thought that was fun. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I, I thought it was a good movie. I also don't know that I would sit through it again. Um, it's, it's, I thought it was better than I, I don't know. It was more watchable than I had anticipated because I, I'm not the biggest yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow fan. Um, I haven't seen everything with her, but I haven't like been a big fan. So I wasn't sure if it would pull me in. And I, this did, I was really real like, weird. It got real weird. 
she got real weird. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, especially, but like her her filmography, especially. I don't know. I feel like her weirdness is maybe like the last like eight nine years. Um, so there's a lot of stuff I, I've never seen her take on Emma. Um, you know, I've mm. only seen the Anya Taylor Joy and Clueless Emma. Um, I actually think I have it because I want to. I did. I got it at a thrift store not long ago. I just haven't watched it yet. Um, but I, I really liked her in this. I think a good performance and definitely deserving of the win that she will get. Um. I think this, I'm double checking. This is her one Oscar. Um, and that's like, usually. What happened, Gwena? <laughs> no, I felt like back then she seemed so down to earth and you know what I mean? I mean, maybe it's the fame, right? Like maybe it's all the access to money. You just like, well, I got all this money. What do I do with it? You're like, ah, well. <laughs> Goop. Goop. Yeah, we'll make some jade eggs. Um, oh man, there's so many weird things. Um. I didn't mention because he's not on the the top list because he's he's not in the movie much, but Ben Affleck's in this movie, and yeah, he seems a lot of the things that I saw people were like really dissing him. I I am kind of an Affleck fan. I gotta admit, like I, he he's part of the Kevin Smith crew. You know, Mallrats was when I first saw him, so I've I've really watched his career like throughout, and I've seen a lot of Affleck movies. I liked him in this. Um, I'm not saying he's doing like a great, I don't, I can't even remember if he tried to do a British accent. I'm sure he did. Um, but I like the character they put him in where he's kind of egotistical, but there's like this kind of like, I'll allow it attitude that like, he's like the one approving everything. And like, he's tricked because Shakespeare is kind of a, you know, a con artist to a degree. That's how he's depicted at least. Um, but I liked, I liked Affleck in this. Uh, but again, admittedly i i tend to like him so maybe he is terrible but i was like hey it's affleck cool i um, feel like he's terrible yeah i just i again i think affleck's one of those actors who gets a lot of hate because he is so kind of like i don't know like guyish like there's just like this you know he's like one of the dudes you know um but i i, I like a lot i like a lot of his directed stuff there's a few movies i haven't seen that he's directed but i, I love the town um and i liked argo that's good um and I, I like him. I like him in a lot of things. I, I'm, a, I'm yeah, I definitely a fan. Looking at his stuff and I'm like, what? Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people just like to complain. I mean, you know, it's the same thing. I, I like him. Other people don't. And that's fine. You know, so it's like, if you don't like what he does, then you're not going to like, like, look, I just looked at Letterboxd. The very first review is a three-star review for Shakespeare in Love, and the person wrote, why the F is Ben Affleck in this? He it's was like, in it for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, like, why are you even complaining? He's fine in it. Like, his, he, I, I, if, you're, if your argument is that he's not British, so they should have got a British actor, it's like, okay, sure, Gwyneth Paltrow's not the British. The rest of like, the... Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are. A lot of the cast is British, but you, you know, she's not, and she's, like, the lead, so chill out. I just... I don't know. He's not the one carrying the film. So what, you know what I mean? He's not, I don't know. I, yeah. he seemed a little over the top, but I felt like he was supposed to be and a jerk. Like he's an, this famous actor. Yeah. I really, um, you know, I, I don't know. I like I'm, him. I'm I also like, I like the movie overall. I had fun with it. I, I, again, I am a sucker for, um, for, uh, sorry for rom-coms that is a genre that i i click with a lot it's it's one that i tend to fall into um and i i definitely am very forgiving of rom-coms i i don't mind ones that fall into the uh the tropes um there are some that i i can't stand but the ones the ones that i love i like love and i've rewatched many times i don't think this one falls that far for me but it's like it's definitely if it were on I'd watch it again. Like I wouldn't, I don't know that I'll put it on, but like if, you know, Kathy got into this movie and just had it on, I would sit and watch it. Um, that's like anytime the proposal's on, I'm going to watch it. I don't think I'm going to put the proposal on at this point. I've seen it too many times, but if like Kathy's watching or if it's, if I walk into a room and it's on, I'm going to sit and watch it. Cause I like Sandy B and, and Ryan Reynolds, you know, I'm in like, let's do it. Um, and Betty White now is in it. Like now it's just a little treasure box of awesomeness. So sorry to, to deviate, but, um, I enjoyed this. Uh, let's get into spoiler talk because there's a couple of scenes I think are worth really like diving into a little more. So, Corey? Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, um, I, I wasn't expecting nudity in this movie. 
Not from her, especially. Right, because I think of her as this, like, megastar and wouldn't need to do that. Obviously, 98, that's not the case. And I was like, I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know. And that's... When it's uh, okay. Yeah, uh, I was like, all right. Um, you know, and again, that's not a criticism. It's just, like, it was not... Surprise. Like you said, I wasn't. I would not have expected her to have done a nude scene. Um, and that's uh, someone else did not comment. I can't, I won't read it exactly, but the plot of this movie is essentially what if Shakespeare, they use a different word, but had sex um, because he's kind of, you know, he's like, he's kind of a player in a, but in a good way. Um, you know what I mean? Like they, they imply that he's having a lot of affairs, but with her, he clearly is like in love. Like there's no question to me of their love. Like once he meets her, it's like, boom 100% and that's I forget the name of the other play I gotta look it up it's um it's like right on the tip of my tongue but um because there is a film adaptation which I didn't know uh the film adaptation is not a direct adaptation oh uh uh she's the man the um the Amanda Bynes movie and then um one of the guys from the 80s oh I loved one of the guys me too um, I, it used to be on HBO all the time when I was a kid and I watched it like yeah. on rerun all the time. I thought I very much enjoyed that movie. I cannot think of the Shakespeare play that, that those two movies are both, uh, parodying, but the play that he's writing at the end of the movie for her, cause she says, write a story about me kind of thing. Cause they, they don't end up together, which is the sad part of this movie. Um, and he's writing like a Viola. Um, and she, uh, that, that story is about a woman dressing as a man i think to do something and that's where one of the guys and she's the man and kind of any of those stories kind of pulls from and i I think um there's other shakespeare plays built into the plot of this one but romeo and juliet is the one he's writing and it starts off as romeo and a different name yeah and there's an e name i think but i can't it wasn't yes it was an e name and then at one point it's rosaline which is the opening of romeo and juliet if you're familiar like he's uh, romeo's obsessed with her but then he sees juliet and he completely forgets about rosaline he's like rosa who i don't know what you're talking about i've never liked a rosaline i like juliet what are you freaking talking about never leave me alone benvolio shut up you know like uh... sorry go ahead no 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 please so I have not studied Romeo and Juliet. I haven't watched the movie that I really enjoy in a really long time. I should probably watch that. But I always forget that they are so young, especially Juliet. And then they said it during them doing the play or something. And I was like, oh, my God, that's right. Yeah, they're like 16 um, in the play. Like, I think Juliet's like a year younger like uh, than Romeo. So like Juliet was younger than that. Um, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I was always under the impression, like, 16 and, like, 14, like, oh, ballpark. Okay. Um, but I could be wrong. But that's what I've always, uh, thought. Um, but they're, they're under what we consider being adults. Although, I don't know if that would have been the case at the and time I mean, it was being written. Before what they are doing, I'm just like, really, guys? That's it? We're done here? You know? How they choose to die? Oh, yeah. But I, that, my favorite part of this movie is the audience getting to see the first performance of Romeo and Juliet ever. Um, I know it's not accurate, of course, but like it made me like uh, I think David Sims, who's a critic that I like, posted something like this. But it was really cool kind of imagining like would they have known what they were watching would become this masterpiece like that? Like, you know, people will forever 500 that- years later still revere and talk about like. It's it, insane. That's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, first they closed down the one playhouse because they found out that she, Vi- Viola is a woman and women weren't allowed to play women. Guys, let's get it together. Or they weren't allowed to act, period. I, I'm sorry. Yes. Apologies. Um, So they closed down. Is it the Rose? They closed down one of the playhouses. There are two. And they end up, both of the, like, teams companies work together and have it in the one um oh my god theater guys i'm struggling for words sorry um and i'm just like i was thinking the same thing i'm like can you imagine they were struggling the guy who owned the theater that was like closed down because of that you know every he thought everything was in ruins but i love that he was like it'll be fine it's a mystery you know like I could probably use a little more of that optimism that it's just going to work out. It's all right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and like the women in the front, like crying and stuff. And I'm like, you guys thought that everything was in ruins, but all of these people are going to go out and talk about how great this was and how everyone has to see. And like, how many times would they sell out that theater? Afterwards, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, the, the queen. The queen seems to kind of save it too. Like she's like, no, no. It's well, fine. the one guy in the, you know, at first it's just silence, and then one of the people in the, you know, mm-hmm. crowd starts clapping, and then everyone's just a wall of sound. A well, spell of sound. I think part of that too is like when you see something so tragic that you you know it's brilliant, but you don't inherently want to clap, right? Like you're not, yeah, like you're like you're devastated but then you're like well they need to know that i think it's brilliant so i will applaud but like i'm not happy these are not claps of me like oh how joyous i feel it is you you're crushed and like i like it's like last year there's a film called mass it's an amazing movie you're watching it you know it's masterful the performances are all brilliant but you're devastated it's like if i was if it were a play which it kind of could be a play for sure um I would definitely applaud because the performances were brilliant. Those, those actors deserve to know how amazing they just were the emotional journey that they just took you on, but you're also crushed. You do not feel like applauding. You don't even want to really recommend people watch it, but yet you're like, you should totally watch this, but you're going to cry, like bring all the tissues because there's no way like that. Granted, I don't feel that way watching Romeo and Juliet because I don't think it because part of me as an adult, especially I'm like stupid kids like you shouldn't. But but at the same time, you're invested in the romance. You you buy into Romeo's passion. And of course, I think part of that does come off with the performance, the version of Romeo that you get. Um, When I watch the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet, I do get frustrated because I feel like Claire Danes seems like a naive child. And I think Leo feels like a, a little bit too precocious. Right. Like he's like like simmered down. I, Mercutio is the centerpiece for that movie to me is because he seems the most sensible. And when he like, when both in this, when um you, you hear a character say a plague on both your houses, but he's talking about the literal plague. And then that line gets written into the, the play Romeo and Juliet and given to Mercutio. But the scene where we see the Tybalt character fighting Mercutio and then killing Mercutio and then uh Leo kill, or sorry, not Leo uh, Shakespeare, is playing Romeo in this. So Jet Fines is playing Shakespeare, who is playing Romeo in the play. A lot of layers. Um, that seems very tragic. And there's some really cool transitions. Uh, when he first sees that uh, Viola is there and they like, they run to each other behind stage. And it looks like you're like, Oh man, you can't kiss right there. Cause people are going to see you, but it transitions to them being on stage kissing. Like, like it's the scene. I thought that was a really cool like edit and, um, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that I was like, this is, this is really solid. Like it's, this is much better than I would have ever anticipated. Again, I think if I knew more about Shakespeare and more like uh, more, if I've read more of his plays, or at least if I was aware of how many adaptations I've seen, cause like, I didn't know I saw the adaptation of, um, the one play that I can't still, I'm going to actually look up now cause I've said it like four times. Um, but uh, like I recently watched the tragedy of Macbeth, the Cohen's take oh. on the play. Um, I think it's a brilliant movie. I had no clue what was going on most of the time. Cause I don't speak Shakespeare despite having studied Romeo and Juliet, but there's a lot that of like, feel better. there's a lot of the rhythmic. It's not even the words. It's the rhythmic nature of the words that often like the way sentences are structured are not how we would normally give information because it's about the flow, right? Like, so you're writing it in this, in this iambic pentameter to like have the rhythm, but the rhythm's what's throwing me off. Cause I'm like, it just feels like a song. And sometimes I don't get what songs are saying because they're not as straightforward. So when you're conveying tons of plot through dialogue, when that's like, everything is, is through dialogue and you don't follow it. You're just like, I am, I am lost. I don't know why that character is doing those things because he said it, but I don't know what he just said. So I'm lost. Like you almost have to rewind it and listen to it like a song several times until you hear all the words and then you can decipher it. But um, it's not like a normal movie when there's an exposition dump and they're just like, Hey, I'm going to go rob that bank for 20 bucks. 
you know, twenty dollars so this guy doesn't shoot me in the back. You're like, oh, I understand what's happening here. Whereas Shakespeare's like, ah, tomorrow on the eve of my birthday, I shall rob it that bank. And you're like, what the heck is he saying? Why is he speaking like that? Like, just speak normal. And it's not even like, again, I understand that they are speaking English, and a lot of the words they're using, I understand in, uh, you know, independently. But it's in the flow of the dialogue that I get lost in a lot of Shakespeare stuff, especially if I'm not actively studying it. Like, again, I had to really read Romeo and Juliet to get all of it. Um, so I've seen Macbeth. I've seen very I've seen a few like I've seen Emma. I didn't understand Emma, except I'd seen Clueless. So I knew what was going on. Otherwise, I'd have no clue based on the dialogue of the movie Emma. Same reason, because it's that rhythmic, a lot of, and there are some words that you don't use in today's English. The Shakespearean language is a little different. It's a lot flowery and, you know, but nevertheless, um, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably on the same page. Uh, this movie is not speaking Shakespearean except for in the play, but all the normal stuff is normal. Um, if anything, some of it's even dumbed down a bit because some of the characters aren't supposed to be very smart. So it's like, it just depends, but. I um also love the nurse character. Sorry, let's go back there. Yes. No, I liked her very much. <laughs> um, And how I love that uh, Viola knows that she, her nurse loves her and helps her. She's like, you'll get me a wig and you will bind my breast. Like, yes. Because you love me. And, you know, covering for her while uh, Will is in her room. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, my one of my favorite <laughs> the scenes. Uh, like, yes, because she's trying to like <laughs> cover up. so hard. She's she's so like, and then the other person comes in to deliver something, and she's just like, "Just go!" Like, what are you doing here? No. I'm surprised that there wasn't a lot of backlash for 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 Viola over that. Actually, yeah, uh, there's definitely like disowned or something. Um, it's definitely. I mean, she still has to marry the guy, uh, Wessex, I think is his name. So like, but, oh, go ahead. No, no, that's. I mean, it's that's the sad ending, right? Like, she still has to yeah. be with him, despite clearly loving will and will clearly loving her um they just can't be together i know to, i read this and now i do not see what movie it was uh, or what play sorry this is the movie um i will find this um play within a play do, do, do. it's like i don't know i don't feel like a, there's a lot of comedy in this movie for me but i thought that part was very funny and I like the dryness to uh, the Shakespeare character. Like there's a dry wit that I am a big fan of. Generally speaking, that's like a style of comedy that often works for me. Um, the scene where he like goes into the party um, as one of the band members, like he, he's not supposed to be there, but he's like, he's up on the thing and he eats some food and like, uh, he's not playing an instrument, but he's pretending to be in the band, even though he's just like standing there. Um, and then when he gets kicked out, he lies about who he is. He gives the other name, which, uh, was there is a like historical debate on whether um i can't think of the other guy it's like um marlo chris marlo i think is the other um i'm looking i'm looking marlo 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 yeah christopher kit marlo is played by rupert everett in this movie um, that was rupert everett yes and uh marlo in his history a lot of people think was actually shakespeare and or Marlowe was Shakespeare, like that they're not two different people, that they're the same person. Like that's one theory. And so they, they play on that here where he gives the name Marlowe to Wessex. And then later when Marlowe dies, Shakespeare feels guilty that there was confusion in identity, but it was a coincidence and had nothing to do. I love that. Like that to me, all of those little elements I thought was what really was the funny. Bill, right? What? It, the, it, he said it was the bill. He was fighting over the bill. Like he was disputing whether or not, he, like, he got charged something he claimed he didn't have or whatever. And so, like, he started to fight and pulled out a knife and like stabbed himself in the face or something like that. Like that, it was like that stupid of a death. Um, which is super funny because, like, that's you know Shakespeare is like feeling guilty. Twelfth Night is the stupid play that I could not remember uh, the name of. Um, that he's writing for Viola at the end of this, at the end of the movie, and that's the one that all like the she's the man and um and whatnot are based off of um so yeah sorry i could not pull that earlier but there it is i finally got there i don't know how i missed that 
I've not seen which part? The Twelfth Night thing? Uh that that was Rupert Everett. Oh. I didn't recognize I mean, him. We're talking twenty four years ago, uh that I this know. movie came out. So And what's his name? Fred Waterford. Ugh. It's just like they're babies. But all right. Um I got I got nothing else I wanna say. I, I actually really like this movie. I again I don't think it's um it's not gonna be like a favorite film of mine, but I definitely enjoyed watching it. I'm glad I finally checked this off my list. Um that said, Corey, do you want to know what it was up against for Best Picture? Please. So it wins, obviously, folks, because that's the premise of this whole month. And so uh, we are talking about the other nominees. So other nominees, I already mentioned one, Elizabeth. Never seen. Uh-uh. Um, I don't really want to. No no offense to it, but it's a period piece that looks a little uh, a little more in the realm of things that I don't like. Um, I don't often like... I, I call them Victorian. That is definitely wrong, but that's the vibe I get. This kind of uppity, fancy, like looking down on the world. It's Kate Blanchett. Holy crap, she's young in this movie. Um, obviously it's ninety eight, but man, um, now I have to watch it because I like her. God damn it. <laughs> um, oh God, Joseph Fiennes and Jeffrey Rusher in this movie, and so is Christopher Eccleston, who I am a big fan of. So now I definitely gonna have to watch this stupid movie. What is it on? Is it on something? Yeah, it's on Canopy. Like, we can work it out. This, you know. Um, but so it's declared Ill- illegitimate age three, tried for treason age 21, crowned queen age 25. The story of the ascension to the throne and the early reign of Queen Elizabeth, the first, uh, the endless attempts by her council to marry her off, the Catholic hatred of her and her romance with Lord. You see, it sounds so boring. Um, I, I, these movies never work for me. Like I, every time I'm like, Oh, it'll be all right. I never, the favorites, like the one exception. And that's because of Lanthimos. Um, Nevertheless, so that's nominated, right? Never seen it. Um, this movie we're going to be watching this year, folks. Uh, Life is beautiful. I've never seen. That's why we're watching it later this year. Have you seen it, Corey? No. So this is one that I think I have for uh, later in this year. I think I've said the uh, everything on. We're, we have a in September. We have a month dedicated to what we're calling Ugly Cry. Movies that are known for being super sad. Life is Beautiful is on that list. Um, no, not, why did we do that? Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's uh, a touching story of an Italian bookseller of Jewish ancestry who lives his own life, his own little fairy tale. His creative and happy life would come to an abrupt halt when his entire family is deported to a concentration camp during World War II. So, yeah, that's th- there's supposed to be humor in this movie, though, also. Um, it has a 4.2 letterbox rating nominated for best picture. It does win best. I believe at the time it was best foreign film or foreign language film. I think they've now changed the best international film at the Oscars, but at the time that was the, so it does win that, but it's nominated for best picture does not win. Um, the thin red line, which is a, um, Oh, I'm going to forget the director. Um, Terrence Malick film that I've not seen. Um, but very well regarded, and uh, obviously it was nominated for Best Picture. But the one, the kicker, the one that I think most people would think should win, it's a Steven Spielberg film from 1998. A little something with some Tom Hanks, a little bit of Matt Damon, introduction of Vin Diesel. It's a little movie called Saving Private Ryan. Is up against... This one over that. And Shakespeare in Love somehow wins. So there are three World War II movies. So that's the only thing mm. I can think of is that there is just too much World War II, right? Because The Thin Red Line is World War II, Terrence Malick's take on World War II, um, with, which I'm sure is very... I haven't actually seen... Jared Leto's in that freaking movie? Um, so that was before Fight Club. Um, so, Sorry. Folks, I've never seen any. I've actually never seen a Terrence Malick movie. Uh, he's one of the big directors that is a huge gap on my viewing history. Um, I've tried to watch. There was a movie a couple years ago about music, and it has like a bunch of great people that I like. But I got five minutes into it, and I was like, "Nope, not watching this." Um, I haven't seen Life. Uh, I haven't seen Thin Red Line. I haven't seen The Tree of Life. I like, uh, there's some really big movies that are on my gap list that belong to him. Um, and I believe this is based on a. a a book um it says based on the graphic novel um 
so and the cast is nuts like listen to the cast in, in thinner and light sean penn adrian brody jim caviezel um john cusack woody harrelson nick dolte john c Riley, george clooney john travolta i already mentioned jared Leto. that's not a not a draw for me at this point um Thomas Jane's in this, who I like because he was the Punisher in 2004. Tim Blake Nelson. Um, so a huge cast. It's very long. Um, but again, highly regarded movie. Obviously gets the Oscar now. But again, saving Private Ryan, the beloved Steven Spielberg. Um, and then, you know, uh, Life is Beautiful, which again, international films rarely win the best picture um because they have the other category and that seems like the uh, the oscar voters always seem to be like ah we'll give them that one and then we'll we'll give them the nomination but they're not gonna win um but somehow shakespeare in love pulls this out again elizabeth another do we have two movies about this era because I, I i don't know for sure is is elizabeth in shakespeare in love the same elizabeth in elizabeth because I don't know time periods and Queen Elizabeth is I just told, a title. So I don't know for sure if it's the same one. I told Bill I want uh, Queen Elizabeth to get up in this. What now? I love her costume in this. Oh, her get up. Yeah, I, her get up. Man, I totally was really shook by what you just said. So uh, I, don't, I don't know what you think I said. I'm and I feel like maybe say. I don't. I'm not going to say. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate Perfect. for the podcast. but We're going to move on. Um, but I just thought she looked so freaking awesome. And th- but also, like, uh, Viola's wedding dress. Like, there was some really beautiful costuming in this. I Yeah, I don't know enough about history to, like, place if, the same, if it's the same Queen Elizabeth. But if it's not, <laughs> we do have two movies about a Queen Elizabeth, at the very least, right? That feature two of the same actors. Um and then we have three World War II movies, all nominated for Best Picture. Shakespeare in Love wins. I cannot believe Saving Private Ryan didn't win Best Picture over this. No offense to this movie. I like this movie. But Saving Private Ryan is one of those films that, like, I don't know. It, it's 1998 when that comes out. I don't see it until it comes out on VHS. So it's probably 99 when I see Saving Private Ryan. That movie, to a high school me who was very like anti anything serious. Like I didn't like any movie that was like real. I wanted comedies and action movies that were fiction action movies. I didn't want to like world war two movie. I was not into that. I was like so blown away by saving private Ryan at that age. Like it was jarring to me. Um, and that opening D day sequence is insane. Like it's one of the most visceral horrifying sequences of war I've ever seen on camera. So for it to not win Best Picture is shocking to me. I can only assume it didn't win because of the other movies, like that the votes were too split. Like they didn't know which of the World War II movies they wanted to vote for or something. You know what I mean? Like that's the only thing I could think of because that movie is still like a lot of people cite that as like one of their favorite films. Like if you act, if you ask non-film critic people, what are your favorite movies? I have always found it's Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption and Saving Private Ryan that are frequently listed by like casual movie viewers because those are epic films that people had a especially people that I would be asking are my age so they were those are pivotal years of their film viewing history um no one I've ever asked has said Shakespeare in Love you know what I'm saying like this is a a solid movie it's a it's a good rom-com is it a best picture over Saving Private Ryan no, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think the Academy got that really wrong. What do you think? I'm going to agree. It's the only other movie I've watched on the list. <laughs> yeah, same. same. That <laughs> is a fair I, point. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely agree, though. And anyway, it's just Tom Hanks, guys. Yeah. All the time. One of the best. I, I love Hanks. And there's a lot of Hanks performances that I adore. But you that know, performance is insanely great. I... I hadn't watched it since I was very young and I rewatched it last year or the year before. And just, man, I mean, can you not ugly cry? You know, like, I mean, yeah, at the end, I'm just like, <gasps> like a lot of people love life is beautiful. And I think we're going to be in for uh, both a uh, devastation, yeah. but also a very great experience come September. But Saving Private Ryan, I actually haven't seen in its entirety for a few years, but I, I saw it like in 99 or whatever, and I have watched many clips from it like 
on repeat because it's one that I haven't been comfortable teaching because it is excessively challenging. Um, it's also it's it's longer because it's a war movie, but um, I've shown clips from it for sure. It's like I've watched the the big scenes many times at this point, and I've actually I've watched a lot of like analysis of it because it's really compelling. Um, and for it to not win, I am I'm still kind of surprised at that. Like it just it feels like such an obvious best picture win, and for it to not have won is like wow. Uh, I mean, and to be fair though, like even though it wouldn't have been Spielberg winning, the movie winning does not is not best director. It goes to the production, but like he Spielberg did win with Schindler's list, another world war two movie just a few years before this. Uh... So maybe that also hurt his, his votes, but man, for a a, granted Shakespeare in love is, it exceeds the rom-com as a genre because it's also a period piece. So you have a lot of production that had to be done and like the costumes are great. And it does like, it needs to be said. It didn't just win best picture. It won seven Oscars that year so it wins best picture um but it also wins uh best actress for Gwyneth paltrow best supporting actress for judy dench which is uh, she's barely in the movie but w- okay cool i think uh, that she's so good in it though she is she's she always brings it um best writing uh for adapted no i'm sorry original screenplay best art direction which again makes sense because the production's insanely good uh co- costume design because again it's a lot of it's a lot of work and her viola's outfits both as in as a man and then as a noble woman are gorgeous and you mentioned queen elizabeth as well i have questions i see we like start talking about other stuff and then i need to like so her little mini speech when she's like i know about a woman doing a man's job isn't isn't queen never mind but i love that part but also now i forgot what i was gonna say i'm sorry no it's okay i Sorry that I, I inspired such information only to lose it all. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I do think it's a good movie. I do think it has, I honestly, I'm not surprised it won some of those other categories. Totally agree yeah. with production and art. But and then again, like, it's not, let's not forget the production of Saving Private Ryan, because that also has a lot of production value. Um and so would have Elizabeth, and so would have Life is Beautiful, because they're all period pieces. Like, all five of those movies are not of modern time. Like, they're all in the past, a lot more with, with Shakespeare in Love and, and Elizabeth, but nevertheless, like, you're still having to recreate World War II elements. Um, so any one of those could have won any of those things, so I don't know. It, it is a little shocking in a lot of ways that uh, those are the things that win. Um, but, but Again, it's not like I think this is a bad movie. I just, I when you look at what it's up against, it is shocking that it's the winner for that year. But I am also glad to have checked it off the list of Best Picture winners that I had not seen. I have now seen it. Um, so, uh, I got nothing else. I, I'm going to say it's not quite golden, though. I don't think it's a must-see movie. I... I feel I'm going to agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily messy, but it's definitely better than a decent watch. Right. Like I, I, I it's too good to like, um, make it mid like, yeah, but, um, but that said folks, that's our episode for Shakespeare in love. We will be back next week talking about a beautiful mind, a movie I have seen several times actually because i've taught this movie so it's it's one that i'm very intimately familiar with i've probably know too much about it um i will say wait till you see russell crowe in old man makeup because it's a little jarring um also jennifer conley in old woman makeup uh because there's the movie follows a long period of this dude's life and they didn't cast a different actor it's just them in old people makeup it's a little off but this is the best picture winner for its year which i do I'm going to have to look up because I don't remember what year this movie came out, but it's early 2000s. Um, it is Russell Crowe. It is Jennifer Connelly. They are great. Um, it also has um, uh, the, oh, the Vision, the actor who plays Vision. Why can't I think of his name? Um, my brain is not cooperating today. Uh, what is his name? Paul Bettany. Um, and the late, great Christopher Plummer is in this movie. I forgot about that. Oh. Um, and Ed Harris, who I'm always a fan of. Um yeah, it's it's a Ron Howard directed film. It's one of it's one of Ron Howard's Ron Howard's better uh, films for sure. This movie won Best Picture in two thousand two, which means it came out in two thousand one. Um, 
and it has a couple of other wins, but we'll talk about that on our next episode. In the meantime, we would love to hear from you, so follow us on the old social medias. I'm at Burke Reviews, and Corey? At Queer Star, two hours on the end. And we will be back next week to talk about A Beautiful Mind from 2001. Until then, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.